This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not pushing gender reassignment surgeries on little kids. Get this. Joe Biden is. That's not right. And I got to tell you, Pope Francis, of all people, pushing back on this idea of gender ideology theory. It is crazy. What a bunch of weirdos. They really are. And we're going to discuss them on a busy track meet of a show today. Emily Campagno is coming by. She's, of course, the co-host of Outnumbered. Chadwick Moore will be in the house as well. And uh, Brian Brenberg is going to assess the latest economic numbers that have just come out of the White House. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah, it's not looking good for that guy. Uh, (laughs) We've gone from bailing out banks to bailing out presidents. Uh, 888-788-9910, the phone number if you want to be a part of this shindig. Uh, You know the rules. We really don't have any. Just behave. Uh, It's pretty simple. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. None of it matters, man. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a... That is all. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, If you watched Gutfeld last night, I was filling in for our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. Thank you. That was amazing. Champ always needs the ratings. We had a wild time. Uh, We'll kind of sum that up a little bit later because Chadwick Moore was on the panel with me, and he's going to be stopping by, you know, like it was gymnastics, you know, when they go into the kiss and cry room and the coach and the, you know, the athletes sit there and (laughs) they just like wait for the finished judge to give their scores and look at their floor routine and the pole vault and everything in between. We'll have a little bit that later on. But right now I wanted to dive right in, cut to the chase. You know, TV is kind of like the side hustle. I'm a radio host. That's what I do. Uh, and it's what I love to do. So it's nice to have you guys back in the huddle once again. Uh, but something I heard last night in passing, it was weird. We did Gutfeld and, uh, you know, taped the show. It was, a, you know, a lot of people there took some selfies, told me a few fat jokes about myself, things they hear me say on the radio. Very cool. Very cool, fun crowd. And, uh, you know, we hung out in the green room for a little while. And when it was over, uh, I was coming home and I saw the Biden clip. And it's such a crazy clip to me because it's it's really weird. But I don't know how to explain this to you. Joe Biden, because he is a career politician, okay, career politicians, people that have been in politics for decades and decades. Okay, this guy has been he was sworn in to Congress back in 1973. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. He was a congressman. He was a representative. Then he became a senator. He made his way all the way up to vice president. And I'm just watching this clip. That is so brazenly not the truth. And what I mean by brazenly not the truth, meaning I meaning I in my own head can picture a space on this board in this studio full of audio clips that we play you that contradicts what the man is saying to an interview. And it's 
um, again, the fact that I, me, just one dude, radio host, who knows how easily, you know, demonstrably false this can be proven to be, it really takes me to this other place in terms of my relationship with Joe Biden. Like, I, you know, I make fun of him a lot. We've got the whole, you know, oh, the, well, the, you know, Biden, his elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. Sure. Okay. But I never, like, find him to be like, I, I never say, like, oh, he's evil. I never say, like, oh, I dislike this man. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't be around this guy. You know, I don't, I don't wish anybody ill will. It's not what I run on. I'm kind of calibrated to run on positive energy. Okay. But here is Joe Biden. He's on The Daily Show. He's being asked when he had an epiphany on gay marriage. Now, if you are familiar with Joe Biden, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but if you're familiar with Joe Biden, he opposed gay marriage all the way up until the moment he no longer did. This is politics as usual. Meaning he opposed it in, co- in the House of Representatives. He opposed it in the Senate. He opposed it as vice president. Do you understand? Okay. Here is Joe Biden when there was a bill up for review, review about potentially legalizing same-sex marriage. This clip I'm about to play you is 20 years old. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? So that's Joe Biden as a senator flat out saying off. If you're in favor of same-sex marriage, somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Okay, not a fan of it. But here he is yesterday trying with a straight face to tell The Daily Show that back in high school, which was 20, uh, excuse me, 40 years prior to that clip, he was already on board with same-sex marriage. Here it is, clip 14. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school, and my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. You are so full of sh. <laughs> I'll say it again. You are so full of sh. <laughs> so that's Joey. Him and his dad, they saw the same couple kiss. And again, you know, support whatever you want. But you're going to tell me that guy in high school, back in the 50s, was on board with same-sex marriage, apparently didn't tell this guy. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? This guy's a serious ass. Think about that. But the point is, I have this good night. We taped Gutfeld. We're in a good mood. We're coming home. Ha, hooray. Silly stuff. Nice jacket. Fatso. All the stuff they do in the green room after Gutfeld. And I see this clip where he's talking about having his epiphany about gay marriage in high school, which, by the way, he he opposed vehemently. He opposed same-sex marriage for 
nearly 40 years as an elected representative. I mean, vehemently, just the way he opposed, uh, you know, integrated busing in the 70s and 80s. Okay, Joe Biden fought the integration of schools, but want you to believe he's a racial champion. No, you don't understand. Scranton Joe, I was raised in a black church. That's me. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. But the point is the level of lie and the ridiculousness of the lie in that I can picture a place on this audio board. Like when you hear sound clips on the show, I'm just hitting a button like, oh, this would go good there. It just comes to my brain as I'm talking to you and you hit a button and you hear a sound. Well, anyway, knowing that in my head this is all visualized for me. OK, the minute I start him hearing him tell The Daily Show that he's been in support of gay marriage. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's page five, bottom right column, Biden saying marriage is between a man and a woman, okay? Now, again, I'm used to the lying. I'm used to the hypocrisy. But it baited me into the rest of the interview. And the rest of the interview is him also abandoning principle. Like, he opposed gay marriage. He abandoned that principle when it became politically expedient to do so. Now, again, I'm not here to relitigate whether or not, you know, we should have same-sex marriage. Anybody crazy enough to get married, let them get married. Okay, that's what, what I can tell you. I love you, Johnny. But anybody that wants to buy the ticket and take that ride, if you love each other, be good to each other, I wish you the best of luck. I'm really not going to get in the way on that one one way or the other. But the point is, he is a man of principle, Okay, doesn't actually have any whatsoever at all. I agree with that. And here he is, okay, talking about how it is almost sinful. Joe Biden, he wants you to believe he's Catholic Joe. Good Joe, you know, the man of the church. He went to the black church. He was raised Puerto Rican. You know, all the nonsense he tells you. Okay, but here is Joe Biden, a devout Catholic who who supports late-term abortion. That, you know, he's such a devout Catholic. He supports the complete opposite of what the Bible teaches us. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. I mean, really, though? Oh, I'm a Catholic Joe from Scranton. Yeah. Kill the babies. I mean, what an animal. He's disgusting. But here he is. And this is this one comes back to me again. You know, I do a light show, but I have a kid and I'm very, okay, keenly in tune with the process of raising a child. I'm aware of how fluid they are in their development. I'm aware of how impressionable they are at certain stages of that development. I am aware of how their tastes are constantly changing. Understand Lincoln, okay, who's kind of grown up on this show, is the biggest sports nut you'll ever meet. Everyone knows this kid, a kid that's 14, who you say hi, do you guys want pizza or hamburgers tonight? And they're like, Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes in 2007, you're like, yeah, the question was pizza or burgers. It's adorable because they're so passionate about sports and the accumulated knowledge that they've garnered in studying them and getting more devoted to, you know, watching them and playing them. Lincoln had his sports revolution at the age of 12. OK, he did not like sports. I coached his T-ball team. We had a great time doing it. He played in the occasional, like, pickup basketball league, but nothing organized. Hated flag football. Okay, didn't want to play school sports. And around the age of 12, during the lockdowns, I brought him outside of the house and started having a catch with him to give him some activity and just to spend time with the kid, which I love to do. And lo and behold, I wasn't the dad who forced it on him. It wasn't like I was an Uncle Rico. 
from Napoleon Dynamite where I thought I should have been a state champ, so I was going to make my kid the state champ. I wasn't doing that. Such an idiot. (laughs) That's not what I was doing. Lincoln, I could throw this football over that mountain right there. This is pretty much the worst video ever made. But I wasn't doing that. But the point is he fell in love with sports. At the age of 12 and into 13, he became a rabid, lunatic sports fan. He'd tell you every trade in the NBA, every final score, every baseball deal, every NFL free agency move, who's getting arrested, you know, who's now going home with a new stripper. Hubba, hubba. But the point is that little kid has grown up to be a very sports literate big kid. This is the last two years of his life. I make that point because it illustrates just how much a kid's tastes can change, just how much a kid can evolve. Here is Joe Biden saying we'd be sinful to go out and deny young kids gender reassignment surgery. Young kids whose preferences could change in a week or a month or a year. He wants you to believe you're the sinner if you don't support them permanently altering their body. Okay, exposing themselves to a lifetime of follow-up surgeries, a lifetime of drug treatments, and a lifetime of adversities that they're pushing on kids with no regard, no regard for the long-term consequences and how kids very well could find themselves in a completely altered position they'd wish they could undo but would have no absolute positive recourse to do so. Here it is. This is clip 15. Transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it it just to me is, I don't know, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Garbage like you just makes me sick. And did you hear that end part? We pass, uh, we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. Oh! You mean legislation that you opposed with all the fiber in your being until you didn't? That's who Joe Biden is. That's what I got baited into watching last night. What a shameless, disgusting human being he is. Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. He really does. Because I got to tell you, when it comes to kids, man, I can you guys have listened to my kid grow up on this show. Okay, and we all comment on how his voice changed from the drops we used to play when the show first launched. This is total crap. Fine, but now listen to Lincoln talking about things going on. You're all a bunch of grifters. Okay, so we went from that kid to this kid, and his preferences have evolved. Okay, the foods he likes, the workout regimens, the games he plays, the things he's into. But Joe Biden wants you to believe you're the devil If you deny your kid the chance to evolve out of a particular feeling they happen to have, there's a reason kids have minor status, okay, because they cannot act on their own feelings and instincts under the eyes of the law because they are not intellectually and emotionally developed enough to be making permanent life-changing decisions, Okay, but Joe Biden doesn't care about that reality. He doesn't care 
about what's best for the kid long term. He cares about the political ideology that comes from pushing transgenderism on children as the new frontier in the civil rights movement. As Chadwick Moore said last night on Gutfeld, they want a non-binary Selma march. This is their moment. They are literally trying to make a civil rights movement out of your children, not because of the way they're born, but because of how they can reassign them in a laboratory on a surgeon's table, and it's disgusting. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Of course, Joe Biden was drawing that line in the sand over what? He wanted to go after Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is banning political ideology in Florida schools as it pertains to gender reassignments and sexuality and everything in between. And to be clear, parents overwhelmingly support DeSantis. But right now, they're having a really hard time laying a glove on the guy. Okay, and uh, this idea that we're going in on now, this is some type of fascism or some type of Mussolini of what he's doing. How dare he not want a five-year-old child to chop off their genitals and go on a lifetime of medication? Like, yo, DeSantis ain't the bad guy. Nobody's the bad guy. Okay, not the kids. The kids are the victims. The kids are the casualties. The kids are the currency. When it comes to this manufactured civil rights movement, because here's a news flash. Are you ready for it? If your kid is trans at the age of two or three or four or five, it's because you made them that way. Because you made them that way. Kids don't get out of bed and go, you know what? I'm going to switch my gender. Well, I know we got pizza at three o'clock, but you can you squeeze me in? I want to chit. They don't do that. Okay, yes, we've heard of women. The term growing up was tomboys, and they played a lot of sports. They were active. Great. They were always the coolest girls you could ever hope to hang out with. And uh, not to mention, they all, all the tomboys were great looking. I love it when you talk dirty. I don't know if that's dirty. I think it's just honest. But the point is, okay, we had tons of tomboys who grew up to be uh, a woman. Okay, we had plenty of effeminate guys who grew up to be straight. Some of them grew up to be gay. It didn't matter. But the point was, nobody was walking around saying, hey, I think I'll go out and change my gender. You want to know why? Because one, okay, that wasn't a thing back then for political currency. And two, we were honest about the fact that you can't change your gender. Correct the mundo. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Jimmy Fallon living it up on a Tuesday. Fox Across America. Got all my pals coming by today. Emily Campagno, co-host of Outnumbered. Chadwick Moore, superstar writer, author. Joined me on Gutfeld last night. We're also going to have Brian Brenberg, who was supposed to join me on Gutfeld, but wound up having to do Tucker instead. Uh, But he did a great job on Tucker. Represented our movement well, so I'm not complaining. Uh, But I do have to, at this moment, I always say this show is America's family meeting. And, uh, you know, if it's on my mind, I'm going to share it with you. If it's going on in the country, you're going to share it with me. Well, right now, I do have to share a clip from The View. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I didn't think it would be popular, uh, but we have to have this conversation because as it pertains to the 2024 election, there was a very aggressive exercise underway in image rehabilitation. Okay, nobody in the Democratic Party wants Joe and Kamala to run again. Right now he has the support of 31 percent of Democrats want him to run again. Biden sucks. Okay, but the only person they like less than him is Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. (laughs) She's just absolutely the worst. But there's an exercise in image rehabilitation going on right now for Kamala because it looks like she's going to be on the ticket after all. And if you remember... Elizabeth Warren, a few weeks back, refused to give Kamala her endorsement. She was asked in an interview, hey, do you think Biden should run again? And she was like, I absolutely think he should run again. I like what he stands for. I like his record. And then they said, well, what about Kamala? Do you think she should be on the ticket? And Elizabeth Warren said what? Well, you know, I think that's something that we should leave up to the team. I think they should figure out what's best for them. Folks, is that an endorsement of Kamala? And Kamala knows it. So the hot, hot rumor in Washington is that Elizabeth Warren has called Kamala twice and Kamala has not returned the phone call. Supposedly they haven't spoken in two weeks. And The View, they were discussing this yesterday on The View, the rift between the VP and uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, with the claim being one isn't talking to the other after Warren said in that local Boston radio interview, I really want to defer to Joe Biden what's comfortable for his team when she was asked whether or not Harris should be his running mate. Now, I bring this up, and I love this discussion so much, because one of my favorite moments here at Fox I've told the story before, but one of my favorite moments ever was last spring. I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and we were, you know, there having dinner. And uh, it, it had been agreed upon that I was going to leave the dinner early to go on live TV with Lawrence Jones. So that's the setup to the story I'm telling you. We're in this dinner. There's 5,000 people in the ballroom. And, I mean, everybody is there, all the you know, media people, CNN, MSNBC, anybody you can think of, uh, people from Saturday Night Live, Gail King, Oprah, Kim Kardashian's there with Pete Davidson at the time, a dude I know pretty well from our days of the comic strip. Great dude. Uh, but the point is it's like every celebrity in America is stuck in this room. And uh, we've come up with this plan that, you know, Jimmy, he's a, he likes this kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to throw Jimmy on the red carpet with a microphone on live TV with Lawrence Jones. 
you know, right after we finish up at this five-hour open bar. This could be a problem. (laughs) But it's not a problem. You want to know why? Because I don't doubt this magical drinking story of a life I happen to be living right now. I don't doubt I'm capable of destroying it, but I am not going to knowingly destroy it. So I literally go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner and am stone sober. If I had one drink in the first 10 hours I was there, okay, I think that's more than I remember having. Now, the truth is, the minute I got done with the TV hit, oh, we went to the bar. But the point is, up until that TV hit, I was holding my life together. So I left the dinner to run over to the red carpet. And as I was walking out of the ballroom, I saw Anna Navarro. Anna Navarro from The View. Okay. The View is awful. Is it ever? But Anna Navarro, I, I apparently has watched enough Fox News to recognize Fox News people gave me a look of such, like, rabid hatred, just absolute disgust. It was the most vicious face anyone's ever made to me. Listen, I have run people off the road in a taxi. I've I've driven people off the road and into a pond. (laughs) Nothing like I've gotten from Anna Navarro. I've broken up drug deals, you know, anything you can think of. I fist-fought a mariachi band. I've gotten dirty looks, not to mention I've been doing live stand-up comedy for 20 years and opium dens and anything in between, okay? and told plenty of jokes that flew right past the audience's heads. I mean, I'm not, you know. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner in this. I've seen it, okay? But the look she gave me, it was the most vicious, vile look of disgust. She looks at me, and she actually audibly goes, "No, you know what? No. And just turns around, shakes her head, and walks the long way to the bathroom. Instead of going to the one she assumed I was heading towards, she walked the other way. And you know what? It was so comedically mean, but I didn't want to stop her because, to be honest, if she was going a long way, that was probably a good thing for her because she could use the extra exercise. That's true. That is true. I mean, man, who am I going to deny her a couple of steps on the Fitbit? And let's be clear. I'm not putting out a swimsuit calendar anytime soon over here on Fox Across America because, you know, I love my food. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> pizzas. But here is Anna Navarro on The View yesterday trying to make the case that evil Fox News, guys like me that she gives dirty looks to at public events, are creating a false perception that Kamala Harris is this bumbling, incompetent buffoon. She wants you to believe that the reason Kamala is polling at 30 percent is because of Fox News. Now, I want you to understand Kamala's problem and the reason nobody likes Kamala That reason is named Kamala. Bingo. Okay. Kamala is weapons-grade stupid. So dumb she studied for a COVID test. Okay. And I can play you chapter and verse of her sociopathic clips. But there's this effort at image rehabilitation going on in the Democratic Party in the upper echelons of media where they're like, no, no, you know, what if instead of ditching Kamala, we just told people it was working and she was actually really good at her job. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Okay, but here is Anna Navarro trying to sell that crazy. And I find this so fascinating. Clip 18. You know what they're doing? They're playing right into the hands of Fox News. Fox News every single day goes after Kamala Harris, trying to portray her as inept and some kind of bumbling fool. She's not. 
That's not who she is. And so Democrats have got to come out and reinforce Kamala. They've got to stop playing into the hands of these people who cannot stand that she is the first woman, the first woman of color vice president and don't want her but, to succeed. And by the way, her, her husband is great, too. Put that cookie down now. I mean, wait, what? So Republicans, we can't stand that she's the first woman of color and we and don't want her to succeed. That's that's what this is all about. She wants you to believe. You're not telling me the truth. Okay, you can't pin this on Fox. You can't pin this on Republicans. You want to know why? Because Kamala Harris ran for president as a Democrat in 2020. And in a primary season where no Republicans could vote, where Fox News wasn't covering her because there were 22 candidates in the field, the Democratic Party in a primary exclusive to Democrats, had Kamala Harris polling at 1%. Oh, wow! It's my favorite thing in the world. Oh, Kamala's poll numbers are low because Republicans don't like her. That is a fact check false. Democrats hate her, hate her. And to their credit, they hate her because she's a wildly inauthentic human being really uncomfortable in her own skin. And I'll play you some clips, but just to understand this idea that Fox News is trying to portray her as incompetent. When Josh was cutting the sound for today's shows, I was like, hey, can you see if there's any Kamala bloopers we could just add into this segment? And uh, I believe you hit return once, Josh, and had 50. Is that what we're talking about? I mean, I, I didn't have to look back far. Maybe the last <laughs> two months. That's it. <laughs> we have a We have a box set. From the last two months of Kamala, and it's so fascinating. Here's the one last week that I laughed at uh, where she's just making up a story about conservatives being bad. She was trying to make a point about climate change, and she wants you to believe she went home and said to her mom that she knew conservatives were bad way back then, and she didn't understand it. And then, of course, she threw in what? Her fake laugh. Here it is, clip uh, 24. I went home one day and I said, well, what's... Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. (laughs) I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. (laughs) I mean, seriously. A fake laugh. It doesn't belong in the conversation. And if you look at the people on camera, they're like, what is this shit? What is she doing? She's a little nuts. But here she is. I'll give you more of the word salad. Here she is talking about astronauts going into space. Kamala, micro, Kamala Harris's enemy is a, is a functioning microphone. When she gets in front of a functioning microphone, she reveals her stupidity to the world. Tell them like it is. We are reporting on this because it makes news. She says something and everybody goes, oh, my God, that woman is dumb as <laughs> Here she is talking about astronauts. Clip 21. May 30th, 2020. Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. They suited up, they waved to their families, and they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. Where is why is she laughing? Then they went into space. They launched. Yeah, they did. She punctuates all of her statements with a laugh that doesn't belong there. 
because she's really uncomfortable in her own skin. And here's a newsflash. Are you ready for it? 99% of the time when she's telling you one of these stories, she's making it up. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, here's her electric school bus. This is one of their 70 of these. Here's one from October at Clip 19. I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric school buses. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on! Have you ever had a check? Here she is laughing for no reason uh, in the middle of a speech in February, Clip 22. So I want to just now do a public service announcement, and I need all the leaders here to help me, okay? To check if you qualify for the ACP. Look at your neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) To check if you qualify, go to getinternet.gov. To check if you qualify, go to internet.gov. I I mean... Get her out. Get her out of here. She's laughing for no reason. But understand, the reason we find her to be incompetent is not because she's socially awkward and that she does come across as about as authentic as a $3 Rolex you'd buy in Times Square. It's because in her job as vice president, she's supposed to be the border czar. And she has presided over the largest record amount of border crossings in the history of our country. There is not a race or a gender we would forgive if that's the job they were doing for the American people. It's not about a race or gender. It's that she sucks at her job. Okay, understand, she went down to the Northern Triangle, refused to visit the epicenter of the problem, and then conducted a root study on illegal border crossings. Okay, the origins of illegal border crossings. I mean, we have a problem going on. It's a now problem. People are crossing the border now. People are dying now. Women are getting sexually assaulted now. Americans are overdosing on record levels of fentanyl now, right now. Okay, you conducting a study tells us you're not serious about solving the actual problem, okay? And understand, like a now problem is your house is on fire. If your house is on fire, you call the fire department now. You don't conduct a study on the root causes of house fires because that makes the current problem only get worse. Okay, but that's what she did. She did a clown thing where she went down to the Northern Triangle, conducted a study, and then blamed it on climate change. That's clown stuff. Climate change. Oh, no, you don't understand the climate change. People are walking a 1,000 miles because they're worried about what the weather's going to do in 40 or 50 years. they got to get out of there now. The climate's changing. It's going to change the food supply. They don't feel safe. You know, oppression, racism, white supremacy. People are walking a thousand miles because of climate change. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem, Anna Navarro. Okay. We went from, you know, Building a wall out of steel and wood and everything else to just Woody Woodpecker as our vice president. Here's some word salad on the weather. Clip 20. The issues that are present in the climate crisis are varied, and it requires us to be present and to be in front of each of the iterations and variations. That include extreme weather that produces a lot of water and extreme weather that produces drought. So think about that for a second. Okay, you know, we got to look at the iterations and the variations of the complications in the situations because National Lampoon's Vacation is one of the best comedies I've ever seen. Kamala Harris's problems, not Republicans, it's not Democrats. 
It's Kamala Harris. I'll say it again because she's going to say everything again anyway. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you at 888-788-9910. Barry's out in Los Angeles. Yo, Barry. Jimmy, you're playing this all wrong. When you, we got to use the when, – when Elizabeth Warren fully endorses Joe Biden but doesn't fully endorse Kamala Harris, we have to ask why is Elizabeth Warren doing that as, other than being a racist? Because <laughs> I'm sorry, Kamala is – Everything that you just said, what Kamala did, uh-huh. about a half hour earlier, you were saying Joe Biden did. They're both <laughs> – Kamala but, is not worse than Joe. But, They're both incredibly terrible. But can, 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 Elizabeth, does work. can Elizabeth Warren be considered racist if she too is a woman of color? <laughs> Focahontas, you mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I agree there. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what the motivation is uh, for Elizabeth Warren to say that, other than you know, Elizabeth Warren probably wanted to be on the ticket. You know, when there was well, talk of pulling her off, she probably thought maybe she could get on as a woman. Um, but but I agree with you that in terms of overall functionality, like they're both terrible. I mean, Biden's completely right. useless. Yeah. Right, but I'm just saying. Well, we got to start. We got to start fighting fire with fire. Point out the fact. Why else? Why else do, are there Democrats that don't want Kamala on the ticket mm-hmm. with Joe? There's no reason. There's no reason because they're both. They 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 both are incompetent at everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. None of them. None of them is good. Neither well, of but them this is the is problem. Good okay, this is the problem though. Okay, you got an incompetent president. The vice president would replace him if the guy's 86 years old and, heaven forbid, is not in a physical capacity to serve, which I don't believe he's in now, let alone four or five right, years no. from now. So oh. maybe they're just hoping for someone competent behind him. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I'm saying, well, but why are they, again, why? You, you, we we got to start using, we got to start <laughs> fighting fire with fire. All right, Barry. Without, good call. Places. I'm going to lose you to a commercial. Barry wants you to call all the Democrats racist. There was a time where that would have been fair when they were running the Klan and they were opposing civil rights. But now at least they're pretending to care. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is, girlfriend. And we are back in action for a big hour. A stack deck, an embarrassment of radio riches on Fox Across America. Emily Campagno is coming by. She's the co-host of Outnumbered. Uh, she's got a fantastic true crime podcast trending all over the universe right now. She's riding high. And, of course, Chadwick Moore, editor at The Spectator. He joined me on last night's Gutfeld show right here on the Fox News channel. We're going to have a discussion about the manufactured civil rights movement going on in Washington, D.C. But we begin with some you and me time as it pertains to not only the current occupant of the Oval Office, but the people lining up to replace him. Everyone is hitting the road right now. DeSantis is on the road selling his book, and he's talking about running later this spring. 
The hot rumor in D.C. is Tim Scott is going to get in there any minute now. And Donald Trump is certainly doing plenty of events. He did one again yesterday. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. It's the modesty that you love about the guy. Uh, But the point is, it has made in the last 48 hours for a really interesting news cycle because it's becoming clear, at least in the short term, that both the media and the donors consider Ron DeSantis the front runner. Okay, and the reason I say that is because the media is training fire on him. Um, much the same that Trump is training fire. Like I got some clips of Trump trash and DeSantis too, and I understand they're running against each other. That's going to be the case. But the media is really heavily going in on DeSantis. And that's usually a response to fundraising and the fact that they see him as maybe having the record or the wherewithal or the war chest. I don't have a straight answer. But the point is, if this uh, episode was a sitcom, it would be called Everybody Hates Ron. You know, they had that show Everybody Hates Chris. This is everybody going in on Ron. I want you to hear this because this is Morning Joe. And Morning Joe, is, I mean, again, it's group therapy for self-hating white people. The self-hatred in Morning Joe's voice, every word that comes out of his mouth is just self-disgust. And it's sad because he's successful. You know, he seems to be married to a nice woman. Wrong. Whatever. The point is he hates Trump with all the fiber in his being. Why? Because Trump was a regular guest on his show. They were friends. He went to Mar-a-Lago all the time. Okay, then Trump ran for office. And certainly his media star eclipsed that of Scarborough and everybody else. He stopped going on Scarborough's show. So Scarborough ultimately turned foil and went from, hey, I'm hanging out at this guy's parties to this guy's literally Hitler. And I love this because every time they pivot on Trump and they say that, like NBC, okay, NBC hates Trump. Okay, they want you to believe he is an existential threat to our well-being. Well, if that's the case, how did NBC give him a TV show for 14 years? I think he's got a point. Think about that. No, Trump's the craziest guy. He's the worst. We're all going to die. Really? Because you put him on TV for 14 years. You seem to be okay with it then. But anyway, let me give you some of this. Okay, because it's not Scarborough going in on Trump in this moment. And believe me, we can get there. Okay, it's Scarborough going in on Ron DeSantis. DeSantis did an interview over the weekend with my man Brian Kilmeade. Okay, Kilmeade, of course, the co-host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox and Friends, a show I was on this morning, and, of course, the co-host of the Brian Kilmeade radio show, which is a massive, massive internet, you know, national show. Like, if radio shows are boats, Kilmeade is like an actual carnival cruise line with the water slide and the go-karts and, wow, I am like the inflatable raft from Captain Phillips. I'm like the Somali pirate. (laughs) I am the captain now. Okay, but the point is, Kilmeade had DeSantis on over the weekend, had him on the TV, interviewed, talked to him about his background. You know, DeSantis, of course, served this country in uniform, but was also a baseball player who, as a 12-year-old, represented America in the Little League World Series and went on from playing in the Little League World Series in Williamsport to actually going to Yale and being a player at Yale, played college baseball and was good at it. And, of course, he grew up in Dunedin, the spring training home of the Toronto Blue Jays. Weren't terribly good at it, but I will say this. They won a couple of World Series in the 90s off the strength of Joe Carter and the boys. So uh, he grew up around some pretty good baseball and happened to play some pretty good baseball himself. But here is Joe Scarborough again having a hard time attacking Ron DeSantis. Everybody is. 
Trump's giving him bad nicknames. Ron DeSanctimonious, I think is what he... That's... I've got a nick. It's Ron DeSanctimonious. <laughs> Doesn't work. Then he was like, Ron DeSanctus. <laughs> doesn't work. I know he's shorting DeSanctimonious, but it still doesn't work. Then there was talk of Meatball Ron. None of them work. Okay? Let me really quick. I'm not picking a fight with Trump or the Trump supporters, but the thing that made Trump's nicknames good, okay? You need to know this. This is important, okay? Is he always put the adjective before the name. Always. Oh, so it was Lion Ted, Little Marco, Crooked Hillary, Low Energy Jeb. This process, Sleepy Joe, great nickname. This process of putting the first name first is what's actually undermining the quality of the nicknames. I admire your honesty. I don't know. I'm just saying. He needs, he needs a, if he's going to come up with a DeSantis nickname, a little Ron, tiny Ron, I don't know, tiny D, I don't know. I don't have an answer. But if he's going to come up with one, he needs to do a little bit better. But you know who needs to do much better? Joe Scarborough. So here is Joe Scarborough trying to mock Ron DeSantis having a catch with my man Brian Kilmeade. Now, understand Joe Scarborough supports and shills every day for a president who can't make it up a flight of steps on Air Force One. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. It's what you say to yourself every time you see Biden shake hands with an invisible man or quit talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished or walk with that little stilted gait. Or, yes, fall on the way up the stairs, as he repeatedly does. But here is Joe Scarborough trying to mock the physical stature of Ron DeSantis, a man who's nearly 40 years younger. It's clip 16. We heard Ron DeSantis uh, had a, uh, you know, this guy played baseball at Yale. He had a a softball interview uh, with Brian Kilmeade at Fox. And just look, here's a clip of them throwing the ball back and forth. Uh, they're, They're talking here, right? See that? Jonathan, yeah, they're I want you to notice. I want to look at this throwing motion. It's a strange thing from Ron DeSantis here. Let's see if we can if we can see it one more time here. It, it's uh, <laughs> you know, DeSantis. Do we have, do we have that again? Yeah. Look at this. Uh, okay, so so here he is. Do we have? Whee! Do we have that in slow-mo? I want to ISO this, and just so your your boys will learn how not to throw a ball. Uh, it's just like, do we have slow-mo here? Okay, ready? That was absolutely dreadful. I mean, seriously, Joe Scarborough. That was embarrassing. But why is it going on? Why is Joe Scarborough? I mean, and again, he thinks that's funny. Wee! I mean. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. They're really desperate. Here's the problem. Okay, they don't know how to attack DeSantis. They're trying, like, the racist thing, the homophobe, the trans. None of it works. Okay, there are more black people, more gay people moving to Florida than any other state in America. There are more people moving to Florida than any other state in America. They have the biggest budget surplus. They have some of the lowest crime rates, and they have the best COVID numbers. So you can't attack DeSantis. Nobody has found a clean lane of attack. So now Joe Scarborough. Who I, Listen, Joe Scarborough was never a part of a gym class where he wasn't picked last in his life. Joe Scarborough is a pandering beta male buffoon. Okay, but there he is trying to tell you, oh, look at a DeSantis's athleticism. Dude, you're stumping for a guy who can't walk up a flight of stairs. Okay, if Joe Biden was having a catch, he'd be throwing it to the other direction where there was nobody standing there. He'd be throwing to the invisible man he's always shaking hands with. 
Kilmeade be sitting there just punching his mitt like, come on, throw to me. And Biden be throwing it the other way because he's a mess. But this is where we are on DeSantis, a very hard guy to attack, especially when you're contrasting him with the man we assume to be the Democratic nominee at this point, which is Joe Biden, who happens to be in his late hundreds. Okay, but they're going in with these, I mean, they're really like embarrassing and they're really stretches, but you can't really argue with the record. That's the problem. Here's Trump with a straight face even. Okay, trying to say Florida was doing great before DeSantis got there. And now I want to be very clear about this. Okay, Florida's doing fine. When Trump endorsed Ron DeSantis for governor, Trump was the reason DeSantis won. I want to be it mattered. It really did matter. Um, And DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum, a man who has since been arrested for doing crack, smoking crack with male prostitutes in a hotel room. But it's another story for another time. But he beat Andrew Gillum by 10,000 votes. So it was a very narrow victory that DeSantis was able to win with Trump's support. Were it not for Trump, there is no Governor DeSantis. So I can't discount that from the record, okay? But DeSantis, with Trump's endorsement, won by 10,000 votes the first time. DeSantis, without Trump's endorsement, won by 2 million votes the second time, meaning he was running on his record, and his record's really hard to run on. So here is Trump trying to tell you Florida was great without him. Clip 26. For those of you that didn't notice, Florida was doing great long before Ron DeSantis got there. People are fleeing from New York to Florida and other places because of high taxes and out-of-control crime. It's really bad. Not because of the governor. Thank you, Mr. President, for doing that. But it's not because of the governor. Florida was doing fantastically. You had a governor named Rick Scott who did a very good job. Boy. Even Charlie Chris, the Democrat, did a good job, and he had very good numbers. Sunshine and ocean are very alluring. It's not too hard to work with those factors. Now, to be clear, okay, he's not wrong when he says people are fleeing blue states because of high crime and high taxes. Okay, but he is wrong to endorse Charlie Crist and Rick Scott and not attribute it to the thriving nature of DeSantis's leadership. Okay, and that's reality. He got DeSantis over the top by 10,000 votes. DeSantis just ran without him and won by two million. Now, I expect Trump to take baseless shots at DeSantis and throw, you know, wild three point attempts like it's a game of horse. Remember that old uh, McDonald's commercial? where Larry Bird and Michael Jordan are playing horse. They're like over the scoreboard, through the parking lot, off the team bus, nothing but net. You expect wild haymakers to be thrown by the guy he's running against, in this case, Donald Trump. But you shouldn't get them from Joe Scarborough because the media is not supposed to be running against any candidate. The media is a bunch of losers. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'll tell you, if you host enough true crime podcasts... You eventually feel like committing a crime. Uh, joining me now, a pound for pound, the most violent guest entrance I've had in the history of this show. Co-host of Outnumber, the host of the Fox News True Crime Podcast. Emily Campagna has made it through the metal detectors. Hello. I, 
<laughs> I know how to kick a door down. I exercise that activity every day coming into the studio. It's the, it's the highlight of my day. Do you want to know why I love uh, the thing about you coming into the studio? Is you know, Fox <laughs> invests a lot of money in a sign outside a recording studio that flashes <laughs> in bright red the words on air. And it means nothing to Emily Campagno. Last week, I was doing this show live. You had been on the show last week. We had a nice time. And then it was like Thursday or Friday, I was doing the show live. I've never had the door swing open when the sign on air is blaring. So it swings open. I can only assume it's like a gunman or an attacker. And it's a woman in a dress who just sticks her middle finger up and then walks back out of the studio. That's you. That's you, Emily. It's the Pony Express. It is. <laughs> Just sending you a message that I care, Jimmy. Oh, if thanks. anyone has any questions about whether we have fun here at Fox News, then I think those questions are answered it's, for sure. We have a blast. No, it's the best thing in the world. It's a, I say this all the time. It's a really well-dressed high school. Oh, totally. and that, you know, in high school, everybody you see each other in the halls. Everybody has a class to go to. In this instance, we're not going to math. You're going to Outnumbered or you're going to America Reports, whatever the hell you're going to. And we all see each other on the way and we have jokes and give the finger. And yes, stop by other – you know when you get a bathroom pass and you just walk Walking the halls, looking in on other classrooms, giving people the finger. That's what this studio is. And me and Jimmy are the two that in the hallway, like, we're the ones that, like, punch each other in the stomach, like, <laughs> smash the binders out of your hands, you know, and then yeah. run and, like, laugh we're, hysterically running down the hallway. We are, honestly, we're, we are, we're juniors having a good time. We used to get stuffed in lockers. <laughs> But you've you've found success, and I just don't fit, so they don't <laughs> stuff us anymore. And here we are making moves. Uh, give me this, because the people want to know your pod. By the way, your pod. You know, it kills me to say this. Your podcast is soaring right now. Really? Yes. Yeah, so when we have like our morning meeting, when we just talk about like the state of the union, what's going on in the show, which guests are on, what are we talking about? Uh, it was revealed to me that you know, like your ratings for your podcast like through the roof right now. And yeah, I don't I don't take any pride in saying that. It actually hurts on the inside right now. Uh, but what's going on on the pod this week? Talk to me. That's amazing. Well, any any type of ratings we are success we're enjoying is because of the strength of our guests, which continue to be those that are the most intimately connected with the crime. Today, the episode that dropped, it is a an absolutely edge of your seat gripping story. It's the disappearance of Mara Murray. Now, this was a student who vanished in February of 2004. You'll recall it was a, a snowstorm. It was a night in New Hampshire, and two people called 911 to report a one car car accident. Accident. Within minutes, the police had arrived. They responded to the calls to find no one in the car. Mara has been missing now over 20 years. And I had the oh. honor of speaking with her sister, Julie, okay. who has an unparalleled perspective, such heartbreaking insight and really fascinating details, including what she's following up on that law enforcement missed. Wow, that's heavy stuff. We're talking to Emily Campagno, host of the Fox True Crime podcast. So I think my natural follow up to that is. When you inevitably commit the violent crime against me, <laughs> who do you do you interview Mikey and Josh because they're in the studio and they witnessed it? Or is it just another excuse for you to go out for beers with Jenny? Like, how does this <laughs> how does this actually work? Totally. It'll just sort of be a grand finale celebration where me and Jenny are just enjoying beers in, oh. and to our freedom, can to I the two of our freedoms. Can I tell you this? And I know this is true and I've had this suspicion forever. You're going to wind up doing a true crimer about me <laughs> because when I was like a cab driver, I, you know, knowing I had a family to provide for, I was the guy who bought too much life insurance. You know, and at the time, you know, you got a, you're broke, you got a kid, you know, your wife thinks you're a pain in the ass, you know, so she'd always like, and I know this is true, Em, the minute I signed the policy, she started recommending like really adventurous activities. She's like, you always <laughs> like cliff diving. We should go cliff diving. I'm like, what do you mean? Honey, you don't need your seatbelt. There's no need for <laughs> Wait, that right I'm now. Like, so just I'm going to the running of the bulls? This is so <laughs> weird, Jenny. Well, thank you. Thank Merry Christmas, I guess. I don't know what to say. So yes, will you, will, will, will you, can you at least promise our 
audience uh, that I have a very intimate relationship with that you will devote an episode to me when Jenny eventually bumps me off. I'll make you two promises. Mm -hmm. Number one, I'll help Jenny bury the body. And number two, (laughs) that every episode of my true crime podcast, including the one that I dedicate to whatever crime befalls Jimmy, Mm. will be absolutely entertaining. So worth your time. You got to make it fun. You got to make it fun. 100%. One more promise. Whoever winds up taking over the show, you have to still kick open the door when they're on the air and give them the finger. I'm going to be the one taking over for you. What are you talking about? <laughs> so your ghost can kick in the door. I'm, I'm sitting right there every day, 12 to 3, after you're bumped. <laughs> <laughs> well, these ratings were nice while we had them, you guys. Sorry, Fox. I'm sorry. Who knows? If you're half as successful in terrestrial radio as you are in podcasting, Em, you're, you're a big deal. You're a big All podcast right. star now. I feel like you owe me a drink or something. I don't know how this works. All right. Anytime. Uh, yeah. I'm always up for a drink. I you know, know you that. Are. It's the best thing about you. Uh, <laughs> the Human Happy Hour. Emily Campagno, the Fox News True Crime Podcast. It is streaming everywhere. And by the way, I'm on your show tomorrow, so get your game face on. We're outnumbering tomorrow at noon. I'm calling in sick. <laughs> oh, man. If only we didn't have this commercial break coming up. I was having, I was having such a good time. I felt like we were just getting going, but uh, we just got a message from down the hall. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. Uh, wouldn't you know it? Uh, Emily Campagno. Watch the Fox True Crime Podcast and uh, watch me. Probably punch her live on TV tomorrow at noon. <laughs> Back after this on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Still gainfully employed by the Fox News Channel despite the shenanigans on last night's Gutfeld. Joining us now the man who did everything he could to potentially send me back to my illustrious career as a cab driver, uh, the lovely and talented Chadwick Morris here. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Yeah, I was writing letters and calling, you know, human resources, and they haven't gotten back to me yet. I don't know why I'm so <laughs> well, listen, do you, do you know, when, when you call human resources after a night me and you were on Gutfeld, you actually get the mailboxes full. i know it's so frustrating (laughs) oh no good a good time was had by all chadwick moore so something you referenced i just want to get into this right away um because i led the show with this today that joe biden is opposite the pope when it comes to gender ideology we talked last night at length about how a guy who's probably considered is he not the most progressive pope in the world first and foremost oh yeah for sure i mean yeah he's like uh like a a communist. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> Pope. Well, Pope climate change, who is pretty progressive. Okay, and uh, you know I don't begrudge him that. Pope ain't easy, as the old saying goes. Um, but he is, uh, you know, is basically saying gender ideology is the devil and it's a bad thing. And why? The reason I found it funny is the minute we finished taping Gutfeld, I see Biden on the Daily Show saying it's it's sinful if you're not pushing gender ideology on kids, and I just, or, or at least not treating them. But my for the question I wanted to make, and I know where this is headed because we had the discussion last night. But my opinion, and we didn't discuss this on the show, is. There was no such thing as a transgender two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old unless there is a parent creating a transgender two, three, four, and five-year-old. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and I mean that, that's actually a good point, um, which I thought about in the show last night. I know. Me too. That, uh, the pope is to the right of Biden on gender ideology. is kind of amazing. <laughs> um, but this, this transing children thing is 
so deranged and so sick. And the fact that you have this confused old president who probably doesn't even know what transgender is <laughs> being fed these lines oh, no. to spout off on whatever TV show he was on. Uh-huh. It's so sick. And another thing that, you know, a lot of the gays, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, well, a lot of the things that the gays either, you know, silently acknowledge or point out amongst themselves but would never publicly say is like, you know, a lot of gay people realized they were gay. Maybe they didn't know it at first, but there were definitely signs when they were younger, you know, like it's just like a swishy little boy or, mm-hmm. or a Tom, a Tom girl, yeah. tomboy girl. Um, and, so you have these progressive parents that want their their novelty accessory transgender child that they can bring to dinner parties and show off when it's a kind of like a conversion therapy because mm-hmm. a lot of these kids might just grow up to be you know normal well-adjusted gay people yep. uh, but you've got this parent being like oh you like to play with Barbies and you're a boy you must really be a girl let's yep. uh, get you on some pills and then some surgeries it's it's really twisted it's really bizarre we're talking to Chadwick Moore. Because I, I, this was the point we did make last night, and we've made this before on the show. It's like a manufactured civil rights movement. Was the line of the night, I want to make sure I get it right because it was yours, but I think you said a non-binary Selma march. What was it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, a digital non-binary march on Selma. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I got, I got so many messages about that. <laughs> I didn't want to bastardize your line. But it's, it's, but it's true. And, and it, what, what I'm fascinated by is – there's no regard for the kid. And I, this is the point I wanted to make. So, like, my son uh, suddenly likes sports. He's 14. He really didn't like him. He could care less. He was indifferent. But now he likes sports, like, with a level of intimacy that I liked them on when I was paying my rent from betting sports. You know, I was the kind of guy who went from rooting for them to if the team didn't win, I was putting on a blonde wig and powdering my Adam's apple to go make some bus money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I've, I've been on every side of that sports spectrum. But the point is, I see my kid. He's not quite powdering the Adam's apple. He's not betting the games. Okay. But he's very passionate about sports. This was an evolution of character. And what I find to be barbaric, Chadwick, is they're denying these kids the right to evolve. If you if you are susceptible them to surgery and obviously a lifetime of medication and follow-up surgeries at an age where they haven't had a chance to evolve, aren't we running a risk that these kids could ultimately evolve out of the choice they had made but now have no recourse? Yeah, it's it's like, okay, you have a child who you think is a little different. What a wonderful thing. Good for you. Now you're trying to medicalize and politicize this? To what end? What do you think you're doing? I, I, it's just so beyond me. And, you know, I remember the tattoos I wanted to get when I was 16 years old. And thank God my parents wouldn't let me get tattoos, and I did not get those tattoos. If those things were still on my body, I would be mortified. And you're talking about making decisions for these children who, of course, are going to change. You know, I've got, you know, little kids in my life. I got a niece and, you know, uh, she's into one thing one month and into the next thing the next month doesn't play with her Christmas presents. I got her last year because she's not into that thing anymore. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to screw the kids gender and their whole identity. Uh, Surely they won't change their mind about this. This is the one issue. It's like you're right. (laughs) Lincoln has changed his mind on his favorite show, his favorite food, his favorite sport, his favorite toy, his favorite everything. But surely this is the one concrete decision. No, it's, it's barbaric, man. And that's the part about it that I think is so gross. It's like they're trying to portray us as being cavalier with the well-being of children. And all the only point we're making is like, hey, 
you know, give yourself time to grow up and maybe address this as an adult when you've become who you're going to be, as opposed to now when you're in such a fluid process. So I really think like it's it's, you know, back to your line about manufacturing civil rights movement. I mean, I just think that's the truth. And I think in this instance, the casualties are the kids, but they don't really care because I guess the assumption is if you normalize the idea of, you know, transitioning at an early age, you probably normalize the political ideology that accompanies it, which is everyone opposed to this is a bigot and a barbarian and an awful transphobe, ergo you vote Democrat. I mean, I think that's the playbook. Oh, and it's it's so bourgeois, too. It's yeah. like bored rich people. You know who's not having these conversations with their children? Uh-huh. Poor people. Yeah. That's who's not having these conversations <laughs> with their children. People That's who so work. true. You know, <laughs> the waitress who's married to the guy who works on the factory line, they're not having this conversation with their kids. It's, it's, the, it's the journalists and the academics. <laughs> it's rich Yo. white people. <laughs> Transgender, it is white privilege. You're right. It is white. It's like oh, climate totally. change. It's like climate change. <laughs> Nobody in the hood is talking about climate change right now. Nobody. Nope. Nobody in the hood. Just talking about climate change. You're nobody, right. Yeah. Nobody wanted to get rid of a, gla- a gas stove. Nobody wants to buy an environmentally friendly dishwasher. You want to know why? I've lived in a lot of apartments <laughs> in the city. Most of the times, you don't even have a dishwasher, let alone an environmentally friendly washing machine or whatever the hell we were talking about today on Fox and Friends. It's crazy. Well, that's my favorite thing about the Democrats right now. Okay, they're like, yeah, the government needs to stay out of my bedroom, but they have the government in your garage with the car you drive, the kitchen with the stove you cook on, the laundry room if you have one with the washing machine you use. I'm like, the government is running an HGTV show. They tore every damn room in my house. They're in my kid's bedroom telling them the transition. I'm like, so is there is anything else off limits in this house besides the bedroom? Apparently not. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, stay out of my bedroom unless you're regulating the kind of mattress I can buy. Then come on in. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's the sleep number on that one? Oh, hell no. We ain't going to have no sleep number. Not on my watch. It's crazy. We're talking to Chadwick Moore. We hung out. We were on Gutfeld together last night. We're posting clips. They're on the Fox Across America Facebook page. They're on Fox Across America website. All good stuff. I do believe Greg is coming back any minute now, and I think he was forced to come back. I think they saw us last night, and they were like, dude, you got to get to work. I think I think they didn't flash the bat signal. They flashed a double bat signal, you know, because it's, it's, it's also tiny because it's for him. So it's a smaller bat, you know. It's the, it's, it's, it's the bad Fauci tried to blame COVID on. Have you enjoyed anything more? Then watching the Fauci story unravel and, you know, him still trying to stand his ground because he goes on like MSNBC every night. And he's like, oh, you know, the right wing, they're stupid, they're crazy. But we're actually looking at evidence that he, you know, his top virologists were like, yo, it came from a lab. And he was like, shut your mouth and you'll get some grant money if you write a term paper saying you're disavowing this previous position. And that's kind of what happened, no? Oh, it's so sick. But it's also like. It's just a window into how, like, every job in Washington operates, I imagine, you know? It's like, should we be surprised? And it's entertaining to watch, but at the same time, it's like, will this man face any consequences? No, of course not. No. He's going to keep going on his, like, million-dollar-a-pop speaking tour yeah. and, and writing books and God knows what else. Oh, yeah, no, he'll have a salad dressing by the time this is over. Like, it's going to be, <laughs> now they have, like, Newman's own, Paul Newman will have, like, Fauci's own, and people will yeah. get it. It'll last 15 days. That'll be the sell-by, like, 15 days to slow the salad. You know, 
And then it'll yeah, go on. Yeah, for... maybe I'll have some dog food for beagles. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I mean, honestly, it really does speak. It's a testament to how fractured we are politically. That he, they were linked to experimenting on beagles, and Fauci was funding that research, and that didn't become a sticking point. As dog I mean... crazy as this country is, with dog pictures on every app, how did he survive Beaglegate? <laughs> is it the breed? Villain. This literally tortured puppies. Yeah. I mean, like, you can't write this stuff. If, if Fauci's tenure was a Disney movie, it would be called Minus 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> and here we yeah, are. Yeah. It's, it's and if you wrote it, it would be too cliche. No one would buy it. It's like... <laughs> Cruella de Fauci. That's so funny. Oh, what a dirtbag, Chadwick Moore. But you're wonderful. Um, I'm glad we got to spend some time together. We got to do it again sooner, right, Hotshot? Oh, yeah, me too, girl, for sure. All right, we'll do it. (laughs) Miss you already. Take care. (laughs) There he goes. The great Chadwick Moore, my main man. And he's telling you the truth. Fauci is a dirtbag. If you go read the story of them covering up the COVID origins, okay, so COVID happens. Here's how it goes down, okay? COVID happens over in China in the fall of 2019. COVID happens. Okay, people start getting sick. China shuts down everything. You're not going to school. You're not going to work. Okay? You're not going to protest the police and loot a Nike store. Can't burn down a Wendy's. Sorry. This ain't America. If you don't like it, go to America. And what do they do? They allowed people to go to America. China let people leave and fly all over the world despite locking down their own country and saying no one can interact with anybody, but you're all welcome to travel the world. Now, why did they do that? Just so we're clear, this is common sense stuff now, because they didn't want to be the only ones plagued by this because it was going to slow down their economy, being as it is intertwined so globally with everyone else's. So they allowed people to fly all over the world and spread the virus. Now, at the time this was going on in, say, December of 2019, China and the World Health Organization told the world that the virus was not spreading from person to person. You're a bald-faced liar, a liar. And why were they saying, ah, it's not spreading person to person, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. They were lying to the world about the type of virus we were dealing with. And by default, put us all behind the eight ball when it came to confronting the virus head on. It's the reason Trump wanted to defund the World Health Organization and took away some of their money is our intelligence community told the then sitting president of the United States, hey, they did us dirty, the WHO and China. And the WHO is essentially just a lobbyist group for the Chinese Communist Party at this point, given the size of their population. So the the WHO is running a lot of their public health initiatives and a lot of their assessments based on the actual Chinese population. So they did us dirty in terms of what type of virus it was. But then as the virus, okay, began to spread over here and in other parts of the world, okay, we started to take a targeted approach to figuring out what the hell it was. It's here now. We need to figure this out. So our government's top virologists started offering assessments of the virus based on what they had studied in the lab. And what did they say to Fauci? Yo, Tony, this thing came in a, from a lab. We're looking at the gene sequence. We're looking at how it's structured. This came from a lab. What did Fauci say back? Shut your mouth. Okay, his own emails prove that. Uh, we're not having any of that talk here. 
And then what happened? Okay, the same virologists that emailed Fauci privately saying it came from a lab turned around nine days later and wrote public essays saying it came from a bat. Oh, natural origins. It's just unfortunate, but it came from a bat. You're like, all right, that's a little bit of an about face there based on what we now know. But take it a step further, and what did we find out? Fauci, who controls all the grant money, bestowed millions of dollars on both of those virologists after their papers were written contradicting their private positions. He should be behind bars! I don't know if that's illegal, but it's disgusting. And what keeps going on in this country, man, is Fauci's response to these unearthed emails, to these intelligence findings, is a generalization. Oh, these white wingers are crazy. Oh, MAGA, the t- January 6th, white supremacy. But he's not responding to the specifics of the attack. Why? Because he doesn't have a specific defense for any of it. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. None of it. Okay, so you understand Fauci, who essentially just didn't want to be held responsible on any level for playing a small role in the existence of COVID and the fact that they funded gain-of-function research in an effort to distance the research he was funding from the virus that was now contaminating our society, engineered a public coordinated campaign to sell the idea that this was a naturally occurring virus that was transmitted from a bat to a human at a wet market. And that was an effort by Fauci to protect his own political fortunes, his own career well-being, at the expense of every human being on the planet who was now tasked with a different approach to fighting this virus based on the fact that there are biological differences between a synthetic virus and one that occurs naturally. Fauci has ultimately been proven, okay, proven beyond any shadow of a doubt with leading a cover-up effort in misleading the public about the origins of this virus. And if he was misleading the public, you know who else he was misleading? He was misleading the president of the United States at the same time. Bingo. And that's why everyone in the Trump administration hated him so much. And that's why some of the people like the Rand Pauls of the world with a medical background just detested this man. Because he would get on TV and say things like, I am the science. And then when you questioned him for being an absolute lunatic, he'd be like, oh, this is all political. Okay. Said the same thing when you questioned him for mandates. Never mind that once he was asked about mandates, he said we'd never have one. Okay. Now, masks, I get it. He can be a little defensive about masks because he took every position there ever was on masks. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we- but it's not providing the perfect protection. I mean, dude. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fired. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing a damn thing right here with you on the radio. But I am going back on the road in the month of April. I want you guys to come hang out. That's why I promote this stuff so much. Everybody's like, would you shut up about your TV and your comedy? No. 
The live comedy events, those are those moments where you get to meet me and hang out, take some pride in this incredible thing we've built. We have a thriving community around this show. And it's it's man, I have to tell you, man, it's like the best feeling I ever get is going out and meeting this crowd and realizing how cool the people are who listen to it. Believe me, it's a lot of talk radio shows. We wouldn't want to hang out with the crowd. They're all militant and mad and ready to beat somebody up. We're not doing that on this show. We're having a good time. Uh, we're having a lot of laughs. We're not taking ourselves seriously. And you're all welcome to come. We'll be at the Tower Theater on April 7th in Bend, Oregon, the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho, April the 8th. Then you can see me at Bananas Comedy Club in East Rutherford, New Jersey, April 21st and 22nd. But I'm back on the radio right here with you after this. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And Jimmy Fallon, that's me. Sound like a little bit of a nut right now doing the third person thing. But Jimmy's fired up in this hour because his main man, Brian Brenberg, is coming by to talk about the economy. Joe Biden was out there today telling the world that everything's going great. You can't handle the truth. And we'll get into the numbers that back up the Jack Nicholson claim uh, in this hour. 888-788-9910, the phone number if you want to be a part of this shindig. Also the phone number if you do not want to be a part of a show and we do it anyway. You know, we hit for speed. We hit for power. You know, we'll tell you jokes. We'll make serious points. If I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another. But I'm going to get the job done. Bottom line. Uh, and we are going to get it done in a big way in this hour on a wild Tuesday. Okay, as I get on the air right now, we have a report that a Russian fighter jet collided with an unmanned U.S. drone over the Black Sea. That happened earlier today. Two Russian fighter jets were conducting an exercise over international waters. We had an unmanned drone flying around, so the Russians started messing with it. That's not right! But they did. They dumped fuel in front of it. They were cutting the thing off. Uh, And ultimately, one of the planes hit, hit the unmanned drone, and we were forced to bring down the drone. Now, what's really interesting is the reporting, okay? This is a statement from the U.S. European Command, the U.S. Central Air Forces in Europe, okay? This is our leadership over there characterizing the incident. And I got to be honest with you. Some of the wording in this paragraph explains why people feel so emboldened to attack us. It's because we're prioritizing a lot of the wrong things in our military to wit. At approximately 7.03 a.m., one of the Russian Su-27 aircrafts struck the propeller of the MQ-9, causing U.S. forces to have to bring the MQ-9 down in international waters. So far, so good. You know, fighter jet hits a drone, the propeller screwed up, they got to take it down. Not good. Okay, but understand what comes next is the kind of thing that makes people not take our woke leadership seriously. Everything woke turns to Several times before the collision, the Su-27s dumped fuel and flew in front of the MQ-9 in a reckless, environmentally unsound manner. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Yo, it's war. Nobody cares about climate change. Nobody cares about the environment. 
I'm telling you, we look so weak on the world stage. Russia's doing bad stuff to the environment when they down our drone. Nobody cares. You're the lowest form of life on Earth. I mean, really, the incident demonstrates a lack of competence in addition to being unsafe and unprofessional. Now, why is all of this significant? Because one of the biggest criticisms of the war in Ukraine is that we haven't established an end goal for the United States of America. What would constitute victory? And if Ukraine is, in fact, the root of all economic evil in this country, as Biden would have you believe, then why aren't we doing more to stop the war? I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Okay, we should be trying to stop the war. But one of the big critiques getting past the financials of it and the lack of an identifiable goal is the fact that Russia is a nuclear superpower. And every day that we fund a proxy war against Russia is a day we get closer to some type of incident like this sparking a real engagement. Now, I'm not telling you them crashing into a drone and knocking it down is going to spark World War III. But you understand an incident like this could spark a smaller exchange of fire, which could ultimately lead to a larger engagement of fire. That can't be good. And that's where you have to concern yourself. But what ultimately emboldens Russia to do stuff like this is knowing what clowns we have in the Oval Office. So a Russian fighter jet, okay, really think about this. A Russian fighter jet slams into one of our drones, dumps fuel on it, and clowns it out of the sky. And our military responds with the fact that we're upset because it wasn't acting in an environmentally safe manner. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. How could they? I mean, that's embarrassing stuff right there. And, you know, the problem I have with agenda politicians, I respect having an agenda. Okay, we've all had an agenda, you know, get home tonight, I'm going to have a beer, I'm going to watch the ball game, grill some barbecue chicken, a couple of drumsticks. Oh, man, I love drumstick night. The best. Drumsticks are so cheap. Let's go buy, I'll go buy a pack of like 30 of them. And lately I've been just, I've been marinating them in that Japanese barbecue sauce. Sometimes I cook them in the spoker. Oh, they're just so good. Man, I can't stop thinking about food. This is, this is absolutely gosh. gross. <laughs> Sorry, I love food. It's all I have in this world. But the point is we all have an agenda. And even if it's just not an agenda for the evening, it's a political agenda. I get that it's important to you. But you know the old Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler, you got to know when to hold me, you got to know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run, that whole thing, okay? Sometimes you got you can't show your cards, okay, because they make you more vulnerable to defeat. When you're involved in an international incident on the world stage involving our military and another military, one we happen to be funding a proxy war against, and you show that your card in this situation is caring for the environment, I promise you, you are projecting weakness onto the world stage. That's true. That is true. Crazy. But it's the problem with agenda politicians. They can't leave their agenda by the wayside. Hey, this was bad for the environment said the climate change military. Just the same as Biden's trying to tell you, you know, with these economic numbers we're about to get into with Brenberg. You know, he's again, he's trying to push this agenda, which is what at this point, re-election, which is what a bigger commitment to the policies that have put us in the position that we are in. Okay, banks are failing. 
They're getting bailed out by the taxpayer any way you slice it. And they're trying to sell you on this idea that it's not a taxpayer-funded bailout when they start this new fund. No, no, it's a whole, it's a, it's a different thing, he said. That's what's going on. You were lying your ass off. And why can I make that claim? Because small depositors are FDIC insured up to a quarter of a million dollars. So if we're starting a new fund beyond a quarter of a million dollars, we're not doing that to bail out the little guy as they're selling this. The little guy's already covered. We're adding new funds. Why? Because the big accounts are the ones getting bailed out. And they're getting bailed out by what? A new fund that will ultimately come from our tax dollars. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. But when Biden says something like, well, no, the American taxpayer is not going to pay for this directly. Yeah, the banks are going to add fees. They're going to recoup the revenue that they just lost. They're going to recoup what they owe the government. And then what are they ultimately going to do? They're going to pass this big government bailout onto the little guys who didn't need any bailing out at all. Thanks, big government weenuses. Again, when you start talking about uninsured deposits, everything, everything in the bank in this country is insured up to $250,000. So if we're bailing out things above $250,000, we're not doing it because of the little guy. We're doing it because of the big guy. You are correct, sir. But here was Biden lying. Okay, and again, agenda politicians showing their hand in a way that really undermines your faith in their leadership. Here's Biden trying to tell you the little guy won't be harmed, clip one. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured. I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. You're alive. Okay, the taxpayers ultimately have to pay this. Okay, but again, back to the agenda. Here he is for blaming Donald Trump and his rollback of the Dodd-Frank bill. Okay, some of those policies, some of those regulations. But you understand, Brian Bremberg's about to come on, He's the host of the Big Money Show. If you saw him on Tucker last night explaining how we got into this inf- in situation, it's pretty simple. Okay, inflation has skyrocketed under Biden, and it took it took uh, mortgage rates and interest rates to the moon there with it, increasing the likelihood of people defaulting on loans as the payments balloon became more expensive. Okay, and a lot of these big banks that were lending out massive amounts of money and were betting on interest rates staying low – ultimately lost that gamble. Ergo, the rate of default went flying through the roof. But here's Joe Biden wanting you to believe it was Trump's fault. Clip three. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again. You are so full of (laughs) (laughs) Woo, and it's so true. Oh, Trump. Oh, the previous administration. You don't understand what's going on here. Shut up, fool. It's desperation, man. 
See, the problem with Biden, and this is a problem with any career politician, some of you have heard me say this a billion times on the show, okay? People have more faith in your leadership when you admit to mistakes, or at the very least, if you don't want to own a mistake, what you can do as a president, which presidents will often do, is they'll put some distance between themselves and the failed policy by firing a top advisor. You know, maybe Afghanistan was a good example. They should have fired three generals. Hey, this was an embarrassment. We pulled our troops out ahead of our civilians. We got 13 service members killed. The Taliban, a terror group, is now in charge of the government. The whole point of going was to defeat terror groups from becoming uh, having a breeding ground in that area. Not only is a terror group in charge, but they have all of our weapons. This is unacceptable. You're all fired. That's what should have been done. And he could have put some distance between himself and what we all knew to be a catastrophic failure in Afghanistan. But because he is a calculating politician that was more concerned with poll numbers than his own political well-being, he tried instead to sell the Afghan troop withdrawal as a success. Okay, it was not a success. It turned us into a laughing stock on the world stage, but that's where he finds himself as it pertains to the economy. Banks are collapsing. Inflation's at a 40-year high. And rather than firing advisors, you know, people like Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who said, what? Oh, inflation's temporary. It's only going to be here for a couple of weeks. I don't know. That. Wrong. Okay, well, now that it's here at a 40-year high for multiple years, maybe you fire her and say, I got some bad advice. But no, he has made the determination to sell us on the idea that we're making strong progress. Here it is, clip eight. Let's also take a look at a moment to put the situation in a broader context. We've made strong economic progress in the past two years. <laughs> shut up! Will you shut up? We've made strong economic progress in the past two years. That is a fact check false. Yo, I want you to understand this. Biden likes to get out there and brag. Oh, well, we've added 12 million jobs, more than any in any you know previous administration. You're not telling me the truth. No, he hasn't. Okay, of the job claims that Biden makes, okay, 10 million of those jobs were called added back jobs, meaning they were jobs people lost during the pandemic. We shut down cruise lines. We shut down airlines. We shut down, you know, ball fields. Couldn't have fans in the stadium. Okay, everything was shut down. Couldn't go to church, couldn't go to school, you know. Everything was shut down. Tourism industries were devastated. Service industries were devastated. Okay, when we reopen the economy, people went back to work at those jobs. Now, understand, they attributed those as job losses under Trump, and they attributed those as not getbacks under Biden. Uh, They attributed them, as far as the media is concerned, as new job creation. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. But was it actually a creation of new jobs? The answer would be no. No, come on, stop it. You just got your old job back. I've said this before. If Jenny throws me out of the house because I came home smelling like, you know, stripper perfume and a glitter all over my face as I was wont to do in my 20s. Oh, yes, I've read about that in the Bible. (laughs) No, believe me, I was a mess in my 20s. My hobbies are fast cars and fast women. Okay, but I did clean up my act. But the point is, were I to have a relapse... (laughs) Jenny would absolutely throw me out of the house, okay? And if she let me back in a week later, I don't get to claim I got a new house because I just got let back into the old one, 
Okay, but that's what they're doing when they try to sell this economy as a success. All the jobs that were sent home under the pandemic guidelines that were then ultimately reopened, they're claiming as new jobs. Okay, Joe Biden has created two million jobs. Okay, in theory, he likes to tell you it's twelve point nine eight million. In theory, he's created two million jobs. And granted, most of them are for human traffickers exploiting our southern border. But I don't want to deny him the credit he deserves uh, for emboldening and making that the thriving industry that it's become. That being said, when it comes to his actual policies in this country, uh, Joe Biden has done as bad of a job as an economy as anybody we've ever seen in his position. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be joined by Brian Bremberg in a minute to talk about the Biden economy. Biden sucks. But according to Jen Psaki, he is a night owl. This is my favorite thing that happened to the media in the past 24 hours. And that includes myself hosting Gutfeld. If you missed it, it is on the Fox Cross America Facebook page. But here's Jen Psaki trying to sell us on the idea that Biden's a night owl. Clip four. Now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. Saki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. (laughs) Joe Biden is a night owl. Dude, Joe Biden is in bed by 4 p.m. most days. Like this propaganda effort to rehabilitate this guy is like this vigorous. We just watched him fall three times on the way up the stairs to Air Force One. He's shaking hands with invisible people. I don't doubt that she's correct, though, in saying he's a night owl in that when he sundowns and the dementia kicks in at night, the guy thinks he's an owl. We have a president that is clearly not all there. Outside of that, there is no one anywhere in any world that believes this guy is an all-night affair. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, come on. Embarrassing. But we understand when you see the propaganda effort being made and you see it, like he's transparent, you see through it. Like you stand, you know if you're standing behind the magician – and you see how where the rabbit goes or how he guesses your card and all that so you don't think it's magic anymore. Like, not that anyone ever thought any of this was magic, but the point is it's so brazenly obvious the scam they're trying to run here in selling you on the, oh, no, Joe Biden, he's a sharp as a tack is what he is. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, he's definitely not a constitutional expert. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, my full time is a radio host, a nationally syndicated talk show. Uh, My part time is, uh, you know, I do a lot of TV here at Fox. From time to time, I guest host shows like Gutfeld, the show I hosted last night. 
Uh, we did have one guest who was supposed to be on the show last night, but he wound up doing Tucker Carlson instead. That's just how white folks will do you. Joining me now, a man who would know nothing about those white folks. He is the host of The Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network. Brian Brenberg is here, and he has no idea what I'm talking about. Look, Yo. I, I got to put food on the table, man. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, who's looking out for number one here? Are, are you telling me Car- it's, when it's you weigh Carlson versus Fela? You're coming out on the side of this little Tucker guy? I you never can, even heard of you him. Can put you can put your deposit. Deposit an SVB, or you can put it in J.P. Morgan. Okay, I'm just, just saying we're we're watching where he put our deposit. He SVB'd me. This is un, this is unbelievable, Brenberg. Get him out of here. I'm kidding. Get him out. Good to see you. And I'm laughing because uh, again, for me, laughing is a coping mechanism. And when I was li- listening to Biden assess the economy today, it's so one thing I want to point out really quick. And you're the economist. You know things, okay? But when Biden says he's created 12 million jobs, like 10 million of them are jobs that reopened because of the pandemic. Yeah, I, it's, I can't believe how long he hangs on to this. Yes, but he, he kind of gets away with it. We fact-check. Nobody else cares. But I, I guess, but, I, you know, does he get – who's listening to it? Like, is there somebody out there who's like, gosh darn it, Joe Biden has created 12 million jobs. <laughs> I mean, even his supporters are like, oh, here comes the 12 million line. <laughs> he's going to do the 12 million. He's doing the 12 million. million. You know, they're like, they got the bingo card out. Here comes 12 million, <laughs> you know. And, you know, but, you could tell, like, when you're watching McCartney, you know, the banter between songs. You're like, oh, he's about to do Jet. No, he's telling the wing story. They usually go into Jet here. Then they do right. Band on the Run. They that's have the right. intermission. Uh, so you know it's coming. He's got a shtick. He's like a comedian. He you is. know, he's got a shtick. He, he goes is. out there and he does his shtick. <laughs> he's like, yeah, 12 million jobs. It's probably two. Uh, you know, if you count, there's probably another million he's created within cartels for human that's trafficking. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You don't what, get credit for that, What though. side of the border are we counting jobs on here? <laughs> Yeah, if we're talking about the other side, he might be at $5 million. I mean, he might be. Um, I want to talk about this bank bailout a little bit. You did an expert job of that on Tucker. Oh, my God, I just outed you as the Tucker guy. Oh, come stick on. It's fine. Come we on. love you, Brenberg. You know we do. Um, but stick with me, okay? What I'm basically trying to understand is that they're pitching this as like they had to do this for the little guy. But yeah. my understanding is – Anything up to $250,000 is FDIC insured. Right, right. So you're not talking about small deposits if we're going above two fifty. Yeah, this is what doesn't make sense about it. I mean, uh-huh. there's just a break in the logic because the little guy who's got less than two fifty already gets the FDIC backing. Uh-huh. So the question is, why are you really doing this? And I just think part of the answer has got to be, look, this is California. Mm-hmm. This is a high-tech servicing bank. This uh-huh. is a lot of climate stuff going on. And you've got a lot of folks out there who really didn't want to lose their ten million bucks in the bank. So you get all this talk about contagion, Jimmy. And yeah. I contagion's a big deal. Like yeah. two thousand eight was a problem. Yeah. But I'm kind of looking at this and saying, so what analysis are you looking at that's telling you that is F if SVB goes into receivership, yeah. goes into a process where the depositors above two fifty would have taken a haircut. They they would have got something. They would have taken a haircut. Uh-huh. Okay. But where's the analysis telling you that this would have become the contagion you had to protect everybody from? I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know that they have it so much as that's the thing they scare you with. It was you to comply. just prominent voices saying we've got to protect against contagion. And that worked out really well for who? That worked out really well for VCs. It worked out really well for companies that were depositors. And it worked out really, really well for the FDIC oh, you don't and say. for the Fed. All those guys, because they went back to you know some 1991 law that mm-hmm. says it gives them access to give more money to banks. The bottom line is more control yep. ends up in the federal government because of all this. What That's a racket. It's a racket. Uh, we're talking to Brian Brenberg, co-host of The Big Money Show. You can watch it on the Fox Business Network every day at 1 p.m. Uh, 
I feel like they're kind of incentivizing some sort of a moral hazard if VC guys are being told they can risk all kinds of money and the government's going to bail them out. Is there any concern that we're sending a wrong message there? Well, yeah. I mean, let's, let's think about this for a uh-huh. second. So you're telling me <laughs> no matter what I do, <laughs> I can't lose. I'm going to get, I mean, you know, I, I know you get that. I mean, it's like, yeah. I'm going to go to the casino and you're telling me either way I'm walking out with more money. Okay. <laughs> I, so yeah, we, we've, how does that square? It doesn't. Yeah, it, it does. Well, here's how it squares. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the, the, and again, I don't mean to harp on this, but the way it all squares is we end up essentially with nationalized banking. The federal government both backstops all the banks and therefore regulates all of them. And you can say, well, you know, well, they don't have to regulate them that much. Really? Do you really think they're not going to start pushing, I don't know, the ESG agenda and the DEI agenda if they're regulating all these banks and backstopping all of them? Yeah. I mean, you got to go back to It's a Wonderful Life. They're not selling. Yes. (laughs) They're buying, right? (laughs) No, it's it's perfect. And the movie analogy works perfect. Uh, Well, that's my concern is that. The ideology here should be sound finance, but we're talking about an ideology that's corrupting that judgment when they're prioritizing like environmental pursuits or DEI pursuits. Yeah. Are they kind of abandoning the tenets of, you know, the fundamentals, hitting the cutoff man, as we would say in baseball? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the thing that these institutions really should start valuing is being good at the job you got hired Imagine. to do. I mean, that, that, that really is it. Competence is just not fashionable. Yeah. What's fashionable, <laughs> so it, right? It's, it's fashionable to get applause for uh-huh. Talking about a thing you have no expertise in whatsoever. Yeah. But if you look at the Fed, the Fed should be good at what? Keeping prices stable. They're not. No. Nope. Banks should be good at what? Giving your deposits back. Yeah. Well, they're not, apparently, <laughs> at SVB. Uh, economic advisors to the president should be good at promoting prosperity, rising incomes, lower debt. Yeah, yeah. They're not good at that. Oh, we ain't doing that. So, so- I, like, let's make competence fashionable again. I mean, so, that's what we need. So are you telling me, Brian Brenberg? That like I could be like in charge of like nutrition if I just changed my gender, like because I'd check a box. There's so many the things. The least healthiest you, guy you know. <laughs> there's so many things you could do to be in charge of nutrition except what? knowing anything about nutrition. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the deal. As long as you don't go there, you're the man. <laughs> Who's, who is this guy worried about sugar intake? <laughs> what do you mean? Don't talk about that. Come on, dude. Just talk about how the climate is affecting people's nutrition. You, you would be so in if you could tie the climate to nutrition. <laughs> nutrition? That's it. You're, you're in, man. Well, you know, FDA. the weather, how it affects the That's brain right. disproportionately in certain communities is why. And then, yeah, we're just fat in a mess. <laughs> and I'm in charge and I'm pretend breastfeeding on Instagram when something goes wrong. Oh, it's what a there what a go. dumb time to be alive, there Brian Brenberg. Um, well, Biden said today. Uh, We've made great economic progress in the last year. And I think, you know, once you get past the bank collapse (laughs) and the record level of inflation, let's just talk sports. We're sports guys. Yeah. Okay. You know, one of my favorite things about George Steinbrenner as a Yankees manager, Steinbrenner, if the Yankees lost three in a row, someone was getting fired. Right. Could, it could be a third-string hot dog salesman. Not, only a guy that works on a holiday weekend right. when they're so overburdened <laughs> with hot dog sales. Not even an everyday hot dog guy's getting fired. Okay. And I found it to be a useful tool if for no other reason than for Steinbrenner's public image. He was showing the fans he was disgusted with the lack of progress. But also putting some distance between his own poor judgments (laughs) and the product it created on the field. That's right, yeah. So if we're looking at Biden like he's a baseball manager or or he's George Steinbrenner, he owns the team. Yeah. Aren't we so far past the point of firing something like a Janet Yellen or somebody just to rehab your own image? Is he kind of like... Let's see, the the owner of the Indians in Major League, where the idea, (laughs) 
is you want to bring you, you get the, you find like the worst guys in the league, right? <laughs> Just a bit outside. There he is. It's Major League. So he gets up there. Pete Booty Judge gives an assessment of the trains and Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. <laughs> tried for the corner and missed. <laughs> How many times has this administration tried for the corner oh, man. and thrown it over the backstop? No, they've done a full Bull Durham. They've hit the mascot a few times. <laughs> they've thrown him into the stands. Ah, it's so hard to watch, man, but that's exactly what's going on. He's, so he, he's trying. He needs a team that will help, help him relocate to Florida. <laughs> And in this case, in Major League, he wants to relocate to Delaware. That's right. He can't that's, go to Florida. Right. DeSantis is the devil. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. So did you hear Joe Scarborough? I don't know if you guys did this on your on your show today. He was trying to clown DeSantis over throwing a ball. Did you hear the clip? I didn't Okay, this. well, I'll play it for you. Yeah. This is fascinating stuff. So now we're down to – because it's, it's tough to lay a glove on DeSantis from the standpoint of the state is thriving. They have a budget surplus. Crime rates are low. Everybody's moving there. You know, the old Yogi Berra line, nobody goes to that right. restaurant. It's too crowded. Yeah. Well, if it's too crowded, people go. Okay, the point is they tell you Florida sucks. It's no good, but there's a line around right. the building to get in. So here's Joe Scarborough. He's going in on Ron DeSantis. Now, mind you, okay, Joe Scarborough supports a guy who falls three times on the way up the stairs. But he wants you to believe Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, probably one of his most endearing traits, he played in the Little League World Series. Oh, I his didn't know that. His team was in the Little League World Series. No. He grew up in Dunedin, Florida, okay. where the Toronto Blue Jays were spring training. So when he was like a kid coming into his baseball years, I don't know that he was a Blue Jay fan, but the Blue Jays were actually good. Yeah. There's like the Joe Carter. Right, that's right. David yeah. Cohn around yeah. for a little while yeah. before, the, Rude, before yeah. the Canadian cops caught up to him and they had <laughs> to ship him back to America. <laughs> Cohen was having a good time. But here is Scarborough, and it's like, it's weird because, like, you know, I know what it's like when you're like, you're, you know, you're telling a joke, okay? And, uh, you know, you make people laugh, whatever the hell you want to tag the joke with something. But here he is, like, doubling and tripling down on what is clearly just like a biased attempt at humor. But it's the wrong attempt because this guy went to the Little League World Series and he played baseball at Yale. He's clearly a little bit of an athletic background. I'd say, yeah. But he's going in against him throwing a ball. Mind you, again, he supports a president who can't ride a bicycle. But here it is. It's clip 16. We heard Ron DeSantis uh, had a, uh, you know, this guy played baseball at Yale. He had a, a softball interview uh, with Brian Kilmeade at Fox. And just look, here, here's a clip of them throwing the ball back and forth. Uh, they're, they're talking here, right? I would only See that, Jonathan? Yeah, they're chatting. What you notice? I want to look at this throwing motion. It's a strange thing from Ron DeSantis here. Let's see if we can if we can see it one more time here. It, it's uh, <laughs> you know DeSantis. Do, do, we have, do we have that again? Yeah. Look at this. Uh, okay, so so here he is. Do we have wee? Do we have that in slow mo? I want to ISO this, and just so your your boys will learn how not to throw a ball. <laughs> Uh, it's just like, do we have someone here? Okay, ready? Whee! I'm surrounded by idiots. My question. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question coming out of this. <laughs> Has there ever been in the history of elementary school a school draft where Joe Scarborough wasn't picked last? <laughs> what do you think his average? I'm going to run Whee! it right through this. <laughs> I'm going to give you the sport, okay? What are the odds Scarborough was a top 20 gym pick in uh, basketball? Yeah, right. I'll take Smith, and I'll take uh, Johnson. <laughs> I'll take and uh, Willie hey, Johnson. Hey, Johnson's not even playing. you got to take Scarborough. I'm no, not no, taking I'll Scarborough. Not quit, man. I'm taking a ball and going home. Not taking that guy. There is not. 
there's not a sport where he's the top 20 pick. Volleyball, basketball, <laughs> baseball, football. Joe Scarborough is ne- never, ever, okay, not pick top 20 in a video game, okay? But there he is going in on DeSantis. I, I tell you, that that clip mm. tells you almost everything you need to know about they got nothing. how they're thinking about 2024. If you're going there, yeah. if you're going like triple replay <laughs> on his throwing motion, I mean, wow. They're, they must be out oh, man, of it's ideas. Tr- it's true. Uh, I'll give you it. To put it in blazing saddles terms. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. They are very desperate. <laughs> it's a desperate time. And they don't know what to do. Because this is a thing. I, I mean, we don't know where this is going to go. We're observers. Our job isn't to endorse candidates. I like to talk about it like it's sports. You know, I always, you know, will tell you who I think is winning, who's losing. That's what I'm doing, like mm-hmm. political sports talk radio. I think in terms of the fundamentals, like DeSantis is clearly building an effective strategy yeah. here when they're down to his throwing right. <laughs> We've never uh, – don't, not, don't forget, Barack Obama once bounced the ball throwing out a first pitch. Okay, and it, oh, wasn't, yeah. in, it wasn't at the All-Star game. It wasn't quite the Fauci pitch. Which wasn't quite the 50-cent first pitch, right. but it was not the best first pitch, okay? Uh, but we're down to throwing motions. It's really early in the campaign for throwing motions. It's a, yeah. But it tells you the other stuff isn't sticking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in the movie Casino, in De Niro's narrative, he gets to this great point where he's talking about Pesci and how he's become a sloppy enforcer. And he's like, you know, eventually Nikki wasn't getting him down with one punch anymore. Okay. Well, in the Democratic attack dog media, Nikki Santoro is racism or transphobia. Uh, okay. And they're not going down with one punch yeah, anymore. Yeah. And that's how we've moved on to throwing motions. That's uh, really interesting. Remember in back in, was it 2004? 2004, when was it when John, it was John Kerry and, and, and George W. Bush. Remember the football, like yeah. the, the throwing motion and, mm-hmm. and you know, George W. Bush. I mean, yeah. the guy can, can play the guy an arm, right? Yeah. yeah. Through the best uh, first and pitch they in the history Kim, of the country. And Kerry, you know, or he's catching a ball or something. And, you know, Kerry yeah. was like. Uh, <laughs> catching it with his body, cross-armed. And then he had that horrible windsurfing photo. Right. No, right. John Kerry was a disaster. There's something, my point is there is something about throwing a ball yeah. that actually matters in America. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't think if you're triple analyzing DeSantis' throwing motion, you're in a good spot. <laughs> when we're down to release points, like you're the <laughs> analyst, like you're sitting third man in a booth. Well, you notice he's throwing three first pitch strikes today and it's because the release of the ball is lower parallel with the chest i'm like no no this is a presidential campaign but this is what you got to do when the other guy has nothing i think is what we're learning i think the point is that scarborough needs to watch a lot more major league because if he had (laughs) if he'd ever seen major league he would not bother to make that kind of analysis (laughs) so funny brian brenberg giving scarborough the old this is the ultimate rebuke on this show as you know just a bit outside he tried the corner and missed when i play that i'll play that like twice a week when someone is really like horrifically off the mark on some type of a statement. Ball Scar- four, ball Scar- eight. Scarborough just earned a double euchre. Oh Might be the God. first one in the history oh, of the double show. Euchre. Look what you made me do, Brenberg. We're back after this. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Rounded out, headed for home here on the radio. I'm taking my talents over to the TV after this. I will be on with Martha McCallum 
at 3.50 Eastern Standard Time. And then you will see me on with Laura Ingram tonight at 10.40 Eastern. I like my TV hits. They need to all be spaced seven hours apart. We started out on Fox and Friends at 6.50 this morning. Last night we were on Gutfeld at 11. I like, you know, I like the space of that. Um, and it's actually great. I'm not complaining. I'm having a good time. My life, uh, because of you fine folks who tune in and power this thing, has turned into this ongoing bender of hilarity. Like we're just having such a great time. So seriously, thank you. If you get a chance to come out to one of these live events, I will thank you in person. Uh, if you don't, you're dead to me, obviously. It's not a big, I'm kidding. Uh, but the takeaway from today's show, as Brenberg and I were talking, is if you're just an objective observer, which I hope you are, I don't want you to be so dyed in the wool politically that you can't be open to reason or open to a good faith exchange of ideas. But we've entered this point in 2024 race as the Republican field still hasn't completely taken shape where the media has just outed themselves as being so viciously partisan that they've lost that self-awareness. When you start hearing them criticize Ron DeSantis's throwing motion, dude, the guy played at Yale, okay? You're trying to say Ron DeSantis can't throw. Joe Biden has fallen off a bicycle. He's shaking hands with invisible people. He can't walk up a flight of stairs, okay? You understand? And when you start going after DeSantis's throwing motion, what you're saying is, oh, oh, everything is an attack. I get it. This is shtick. Like, do you remember when Trump was president and they ran a report on CNN that Trump gets two scoops of ice cream and his guests only get one? CNN is the worst. But when you're reporting breaking news, president gets more ice cream than guest? You know, the person you're establishing to be the bad guy in this story is you. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Every damn time. I mean, come, look at the ice cream. It's crazy. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Don't be CNN. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.